This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, the live Saturday edition of the program. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you, 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And we're inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away. Those are the radio talk show hosts. They want to charge you five, six, seven bucks a month for their websites which their sites don't even have the same amount of features our site does for free. We give away more on our site than they charge you for. And uh, go, go to com- compare and contrast, if you don't believe me. I would love to be proven wrong on my claims, I'd be, but I've looked. I've looked at all the top shows' websites, and I just don't think they cut it. Yeah, they make you uh, pay for all the archives. We have a year's worth of archives for free. Some of them might be a little slicker looking, but that's because they've got, you know multi-million dollar budgets in order to hire web designers and that sort of thing. Ours is pretty slick looking. Ours is pretty good. We like black and uh, yellow like bumblebees. And I'm hoping we're going to do a bit of a redesign uh, maybe by the end of the year. So we'll see about that. But otherwise, it's all for free and we hope you enjoyed it. Freetalklive.com. Coming up here tonight, obviously today is the day of the Iowa straw poll, right? And It is. Uh, that's a big deal for uh, for a, a lot of uh, candidates, uh, of course, specifically Ron Paul. Um, the other Republicans I could give a flip about. I just don't care. Yeah, it seems like more of the same with the other Republicans, and I'm not really interested. Yeah, they're all a dime a dozen. Uh, Ron Paul is the outstanding exception uh, to the rule. Right. And He's served nine terms now in the uh, United States House, mm-hmm. and he votes no against anything that he considers to be unconstitutional. Which is pretty much everything that comes across his desk. As a matter of fact, they call him Dr. No. Right. So we're very interested in finding out the latest on the straw poll. I have not heard anything uh, well, today. I've got my man on the ground there. Um, You've got his at, communications director who's going to get in touch with you, right? Correct. At 8 p.m. Um, Eastern time, 7 p.m. their time, they'll be announcing the votes, and uh, we'll be we'll have it here for you live, as quick as you can get it. Very good. Also, we're expecting a guest, uh, an international guest here in moments, to talk about what I find to be an absolutely fascinating topic. But first, let's go unscreen to the amplifier line and talk to whoever this is. Who's this? You're on Free Talk Live. Hi, this is Ellen from Ithaca, New York. Hi, Ellen. Hey, Ellen, what's on your mind? Okay, I'm, I, you said you wanted women, and you said you wanted to talk about TSA experiences. Well, sure. Okay, recently I just traveled to England to visit my son who's getting married, mm-hmm. and uh, traveling over was fine. You know, long lines uh, in England, but no big deal. Coming back, it was quite a different story. Really? And that, yeah. that, that surprises me because of the things that we've heard about. England sort of cracked down. They've got a very similar uh, Department of Homeland Security style situation yes, there with their do. thousands of cameras. And, uh, when I got to the airport, they changed their policy. It was only one carry-on. If a woman had a handbag, that was her carry-on. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people had to repack. But they did have people uh, with big, bright-colored T-shirts saying, may I help you? So, and so, they were very, very helpful. You know, that's you, good to you, know. You followed orders and did as you were told, but they were civil. So what happened when you came back? Now, you as an American citizen returning to your home country. Yes, I returned to Philadelphia, and I was appalled. How we so? had two lines. One was for immigration, and one was for customs. And, of course, as a citizen, I went through customs. Mm-hmm. And, of course, to get in this long line, and, you know, you figure, oh, another long line, okay. And then the next thing we know, these people come waving their hands and telling us we had to go around and go to another security p- checkpoint. 
And so, of course, everybody, you know, willingly gets into line and starts traveling, and they're going faster, faster. <laughs> That's what they're telling you to do is go yeah, faster? Yeah, yeah, they cut us off from the herd. This, this is like a drover type thing. Hmm. And uh, this woman comes up to me because the line is, is going faster, and I'm not keeping up. And she's telling me, you're not keeping up. You're not following in line. And I'm saying, I looked at this woman, and I said, I'm old and I'm tired. I've been in on you know traveling for 14 hours. Yeah. I'm not going to run. This isn't a military training exercise. Oh, this is an airport. Uh, but she said, I said I'm not going to run, and so I slowed down to a walk. Everybody else was trotting, hmm. and the people behind me slowed down too. Oh, good. And there wasn't a thing she could do about it. Fantastic. And so, of course, I started singing. Rolling, 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 mm. keep those doggies rolling right. Mm. You're probably too young to know about the Clint Eastwood series, but, you know. I, I have heard that song before. Yes. I'm familiar <laughs> with that. So were there any other uh, low lights, if you will? Uh, well, no, they, 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 they barked orders and told us what we couldn't have. And, mm. of course, now, even though you buy um, uh, duty-free liquid, they wanted to go and check in baggage. And, of course, they harassed us about not getting our bins. You know, you have to get these little bins and separate all your things to go right. through the scanner. And we can't hold up the line and da 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 Now, can you imagine, though, for a moment, this is how they're treating American citizens coming back to their own country. Imagine yeah. how bad it must be for individuals who don't actually re uh, reside in the United States. Absolutely. Well, my son, who... who Traveled to pick up his daughter to go to England. He's, he was harassed so bad his his, his wife he just married was afraid to let him bring her back by himself. It's so sad. I mean, we've seen the statistics. People are just deciding to do business elsewhere. They're deciding to uh, to have vacations elsewhere. Uh, the the amount of international travelers coming to the United States has dropped something like 20% in the last five years. And we just read an article last week about how they're going to crack down even further. It's going to get even more draconian. Of course, the passport requirements are coming soon. And, uh, Ellen, thank you for sharing that story with us. We really appreciate hearing from you tonight. 800-259-9231 is the safe. CAI toll free line. Just it's just awful. You know, people can say what they want about um, the man, you know how mandatory TSA is in the sense that we need to have them because of 9/11 and all that good stuff. But it doesn't change the fact that tourism is down 20 percent here in the United States, and that's, that's true. That that makes a lot of businesses suffer. All right, let's talk about uh, something completely different. One of uh, one of one of the topics I find absolutely fascinating, but don't really know very much about, and that's why we've got uh, an one of the experts, uh, one of the world-renowned experts, on the phone with us right now. Uh, from Are you in England right now, uh, Aubrey de Grey, Doctor Aubrey de uh, Grey? Yes, I am. Okay, okay, and that is your uh, your home residence. Yes, it is. Very good. Now, you are a uh, gerontologist, a biomedical gerontologist. In fact, the Wikipedia entry calls you a controversial biomedical gerontologist. What is a biomedical gerontologist, and why are you controversial? A biomedical gerontologist is someone who studies the biology of aging with the intention of eventually being able to do something serious about it. I would imagine that, that was, that's going to result in a lot of money for the person who comes up with the magic anti-aging As it pill. should. Well, maybe, but that's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it to save lives. Sure. So um, why are you controversial? 
I'm, I guess I'm controversial because I think I know how to do serious damage to aging. I think that within the next few decades, we have a pretty good chance of developing a comprehensive framework of interventions that will really thoroughly address all the various things that go wrong with us in old age. And a a lot of the ideas I've brought forward are things that other gerontologists have not historically considered very much. And so I'm, I'm, I'm bringing a lot of new ideas into the field, and that's always controversial in science. It does, it does sound controversial. So what's the magic idea? There's no one magic idea. The way I think about aging and the way I think aging should be thought about is as a, an accumulation of damage, Damage at the molecular and cellular level, but nevertheless damage. Mm-hmm. And therefore, doing something about aging is a repair and maintenance problem, just like extending the lifespan, the functioning lifespan of a simple machine, like a car or whatever. Sure. So the question then is how to go about it in practice. And the good news is that over the past century or so, as we've learned more and more about how our bodies and indeed how other organisms work, we have actually learned quite a lot about what changes in the organism during life, during adult life especially, and what goes wrong. There is lots that we don't know about the details of how it goes wrong, the mechanistic details, but we don't actually have to understand the mechanistic details all that well in order to be able to go about doing something about aging. It's it's absolutely fascinating. Aubrey, if you can hang on, I want to bring you back, talk more about this, okay? Sure. Bring you back. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. We have Aubrey DeGray. He is a doctor. He is a biomedical gerontologist. If you want to talk to him, you should call in. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live's live Saturday edition. You can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231, and that is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on our website are totally free, the bulletin board system included. We've got a lot of topics there, over 250,000 posts. That's a lot. Uh, Serious issues and fun stuff. You will find it all, all for free, at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.com. .freetalklive.com. Plus, you need to know that Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. It's your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That is freestateproject.org. We're back with Dr. Aubrey de Grey, uh, actually on the phone from all the way across the pond over in uh, England, as a matter of fact. And uh, he's here. He is a, a controversial biomedical gerontologist, according to Wikipedia, though I don't think it's controversial. What? Who wouldn't want to live forever? Who wouldn't want to extend their life another 30, 50, 300? 3,000 years. I mean, uh, Dr. DeGray, what's a realistic vision that, that you have for the people who are currently on the earth today? How long can, uh, can we expect, in your mind, how long are you hoping to, uh, to help people extend their lives who are currently um, breathing? Well, of course, it very much depends on how old people are that you're talking about. Sure. So people who are already um, in middle age or older... Uh, the chances are that the therapies that I work on will not be developed in time to make much difference to them. Whereas I feel that there's a good chance that people who are children today will uh, be around long enough because these therapies will come along in the next few decades. What about However, somebody who's... What about somebody I do want to in the... 
I'm sorry. We've got a heavy, uh, large audience, you know, between 25 and 54. So let's say on the, you know, the long end, uh, somebody in their early 50s versus somebody in their early 30s or early 20s. I mean, are they going to get an extra 40 years or what do you think a realistic prediction might be? This is the most amazing thing about all this is that there is going to be a very sharp cusp. Depending on even a 10 or 20 year difference in how old you are today, there may be a difference of a thousand years in how long you live. A thousand? Simply because the therapies that we are going to be developing will be rejuvenation therapies, therapies that repair pre-existing molecular and cellular damage. So in other words, they buy time. They buy time to improve the therapies, to develop even more comprehensive therapies and buy more time and keep the person even more useful biologically and therefore even more far away from dying of old age. So basically... So it's really a question of whether you make the cut or not. So basically, you, uh, you know, 40 years old, you get one of these treatments, it'll extend your life another 20 years, and then by the time, uh, you know, hopefully f- 15 years later, another treatment comes out because of technology sort of increasing capability and competition and, you know, new ideas coming out being refined and, and released and that sort of thing. Uh, technology increasing, therefore, you know, maybe 15 years later, you get another treatment that'll extend you out another 30 years, and then 10 years later, you get another treatment that extends you out 40 years, that sort of thing. That's exactly right. I've been calling it longevity escape velocity. <laughs> now, um, now, how does it work? Well, <laughs> in, in the that. first instance, we have to develop ways to repair all of the major types of damage, the types that mainly contribute to our death from age-related causes, whether it be heart disease or type 2 diabetes or most cancers and so on. Now, this is free radicals that they talk about? It's certainly not only free radicals, but free radicals play a large part. However, what I want to do, what I think is most practical, is not to actually bear down on free radicals themselves, because free radicals are actually quite useful in some ways as parts of our metabolism. What we need to do is, is repair the damage that free radicals and other things actually do. Things like the creation of molecules that the body doesn't know how to get rid of, Mm. Um, molecules that therefore accumulate inside cells and eventually get in the way of the functioning of those cells and cause things like atherosclerosis and Alzheimer's disease. Mm. We also have to deal with the problem of type 2 diabetes, which of course is a really major issue at the moment, especially in the developed world. And that's really because we've got too much fat. We need right. to we'll figure out better ways of getting rid of fat, especially fat in the abdo- abdomen. Um, we need to deal with cancer. And the, probably the most sophisticated and complicated aspect of the proposals that I've put forward is specifically to eliminate cancer in a manner that's much more sophisticated than anything that anyone's tried so far. You've certainly got your plate full of uh, things to tackle, and I'm glad that uh, people like you are out there working on this. It uh, gives, gives me hope for the future that uh, we're going to have a very, very long lives, and I think that's excellent. It's an awesome vision that you have. How is it that somebody who's listening to this show right now uh, could learn more about what you're doing or specifically about the, the overall life extension movement? Are there some, some key websites or groups that uh, people should look into? There certainly are. Uh, First of all, I have a foundation that I'm the chairman and chief science officer of. It's called the Methuselah Foundation, and you can go to its website easily enough. You can go to MethuselahFoundation.org. We run a prize thing called the Methuselah Mouse Prize, or the M-Prize, just M-P-R-I-V-E, which is for the development of long-lived mice. 
And you can also get from there to my own personal website, which deals explicitly with the science of life extension. Furthermore, in a few weeks' time, I have a book coming out called Ending Aging, which is already available on Amazon.com. Oh, excellent. And which will be published on September the 4th. So that's Ending Aging is the name of the book, and Methuselah.org? Methuselahfoundation.org. Methuselahfoundation.org. That's M-E-T-H-U-S-E-L-A-H for Methuselah. Um, isn't um, there an also an, an American organization called TED or something like that, or am I off on that? There is certainly an American organization called TED. They run a conference every year, every spring in Monterey, and I've spoken there once uh, last year. I think I was quite well received. Where, um, okay, obviously, the people could, uh, can, can people contribute to the Methuselah Foundation if they absolutely, do a little bit of we have, Absolutely. We have a page where you can donate with your credit card, and in fact, the Methuselah Mouse Prize of $4.5 million is entirely re- the result of contributions from the general public. That's and fantastic. The research, that, the research that we fund to make some of the work that needs to be done actually happen, that's not happening otherwise, is also funded by donations from the general public. As it should um, be. Um, on this show, I mean, obviously you've probably never listened to Free Talk Live, but, uh, but on this program we tend to, uh, we like finding voluntary solutions to problems instead of giving gover- uh, getting governments involved. And of course, when you get government money involved, then you get strings attached, and then you get rules and regulations and that sort of thing. Do you feel like governments are more likely to hinder your operations or, uh, or assist your operations? At the moment, the main problem is that they're not doing either. The main problem is that, of course, governments are in the business of getting re-elected, and this is a very controversial field, even though you are very convinced that this is a good thing, and I'm very convinced that it's a good thing to be trying to extend our lives and postpone aging. Nevertheless, a lot of people are very, very ambivalent about it. So it's a political hot potato. Well, I think you should feel good that the government hasn't uh, gotten in your way at this point yet. I'm actually <laughs> a little surprised they haven't bothered. Uh, and, and if it could stay that way, then uh, you guys will be A-OK as far as I'm concerned. Now, just a technical question as far as the treatments that you're looking at working on in the future. Uh, I imagine chemicals might be involved, but what about nanomachines? Are those promising towards, uh, towards your, where you're working on? Eventually. I'm hoping that we're going to be able to solve the first range the first level of these problems to get us up to buying the first few decades of time so to speak um without going to nanotechnology and molecular manufacturing i think that we'll be able to do it just with straightforward biotechnology using stem cells and gene therapy and tissue engineering and so on but i think eventually as time goes on thereafter and we have to improve the therapies more and more that we will increasingly start leaning on non-biological solutions like that. Dr. DeGray, can I hang on with you a little bit longer here? Of course. Great. We're going to bring you back for a little bit more. 800-259-9231. Dr. Aubrey DeGray from England. He is a uh, well an expert on life extension. We'll come back with more. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's the live Saturday show. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. Though if you call in now, you'll have a chance to ask a question of Dr. Aubrey DeGray. He is a biomedical gerontologist. Uh, the general translation is somebody who's doing, uh, who's dedicated his life to researching how to fix these 
pesky bodies that we've been given uh, that are constantly in a, a process of breaking down and dying. Um, he would like to stop that whole dying thing, and I think he's uh, he's a, with him. A, a hell of a guy, very uh, heroic thing that he's doing, and I, and uh, he's on the line with us from England, of all places. Uh, Aubrey de, uh, Dr. Aubrey de Grey, you're back on Free Talk Live. Are you there, sir? Fantastic. Uh, let's see. I've actually got some uh, a couple calls rolling in here, so we're going to go to the phones to uh, start things out here and then maybe wrap up with some other questions. Let's go to the amplifier line and talk to Johnson in Connecticut. Johnson, you're on with Dr. Aubrey de Grey. Hi, Dr. Aubrey de Grey. I, I uh, saw your TED, uh, your TED speech, and I thought it was very impressive. And I, my question for you is, um, I guess, about price. Uh, what you know, and I, this is sort of I, I know speculative, but what? How accessible will these therapies be? How accessible will this technology be? Um, I've heard sort of conspiratorial speculations that uh, you know, based on you know whether or not this this would be sort of an expensive thing, that there could be uh, sort of a motivation for governments and political control of this sort of uh, these sort of therapies to sort of create an elite class of people who live longer than everyone else uh, based on the cost of this and sort of, I don't know, you would have, you know, the, the speculation is, is it possible that this could turn into something that would be very bad for uh, human, human civilization in, in that we would have classes of people, some that live longer than others? I don't really see that happening, no. I think, first of all, we have to remember that, like any technology, this probably is going to be really expensive when it first arrives, but there's going to be an enormous amount of pressure to do something about that. Sure. Uh, like any technology, you know, it's just going to be a lot of big breakthroughs that have to happen to make it happen at all. But then after that, it's just a matter of incremental refinement of the technology. So just as I was saying earlier, it's going to get more and more effective. It's also going to get more and more convenient and safer and cheaper. And the second thing I wanted to point out is where I just said safer. Because when these technologies come along, you probably won't want, if you're a billionaire, you probably won't want to be first in line because mm. they're going to be very experimental. You're going to want um, relatively less wealthy people to, to, um, to be the guinea pigs so long as you can just survive long enough in a reasonably good state to be able to come in a year or two later. So I don't think that the problem of prohibitive cost will be a significant problem except perhaps for a very brief period. Johnson, any other thoughts? It could also be, I guess I, I could say that it could also be quite likely that if that's true, if what you're saying is true, and that these technologies are used on people who are somewhat poor, that those people will probably become rich fairly quickly because an extended lifespan, uh, you know, if you're in any sort of investing, would allow you to gain a lot of wealth over a significant amount of time. I don't, I don't think that really works. The time frame we're talking about here will be a matter of a few years. So the actual life extension that the people who were getting therapies first will actually enjoy won't have actually come to pass by the time the, you know, the, the things have been demonstrated to be safe and people are getting to be more interested in, taking, in, in availing themselves of them and also getting more and more convenient and cheaper. Very good. Johnson, do you have any other thoughts? Uh, no, thank you. Thanks for the call. 1-800-259-9231 to talk to Dr. Aubrey de Grey about, well, living forever. Now, Dr. De, de, um, is it de Grey? De Grey. Yeah. All right. Um, what, what's going to happen when, at this point, we have uh, 6.0-something oh, billion people on the planet, some low number, 6.1 or something like that. What's going to happen when those people live forever? Well, of 
course, your question is, what's going to happen to the overall population? Are we going to end up depleting the planet's resources even more severely than we're doing at the moment? I guess. Of course, this is, this is a serious problem. But the good news is that we're already thinking about it. You've got me on the radio already, and we're probably 20 or 30 or 40 years away from these therapies actually arriving. Right. So I think we've got a fair chance of doing enough forward planning to stop that from being a serious problem. So people now, are going to live forever on the moon. <laughs> no, that wouldn't quite work. The moon's not big enough. I what see. we're going to have to do, without any question, is make sure that the birth rate does not substantially exceed the death rate. And so if we reduce the death rate a lot, then we're going to have to reduce the birth rate a lot as well. Now, we don't, what we don't know is how much, how reluctant we're going to be to do that. Of course, if we look back at what happened a century or so ago when we more or less eliminated infant mortality by discovering hygiene and vaccines and antibiotics and so on, mm -hmm. um, you know, what happened was people suddenly had to start using birth control, which they'd never really had to do before, to speak of, right. because their children were dying um, at such a high rate that people would only have a couple of children that survived to adulthood, even if they had ten children at first. Um, and, you know, if you'd actually asked people two centuries ago whether they would have actually adopted these different behaviors and actually controlled their own birth rates, they would actually probably have laughed at you. But in mm. fact, society did that really, really quickly just because children are expensive. And I think you it's know? also presumptuous on your part, Mark, to, uh, to suggest that all six billion people are going to sign on to this. I mean, you're, you're going to find a segment of society that's just going to say, oh, well, something I feel that this is wrong, I'm not going to do it, I want to die with dignity, blah, 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 whatever it is that they've got going on in their minds. Uh, you've also got, of course, a large, probably religious segment that feels as though this is going to, you know, keep them from their eternity in whatever God's place, whatever and it is. Some people just well, don't want to do the I don't agree with either of those points. First First of all, I think that it really is very unlikely that a, a significant proportion of people will accept the debilitation that precedes death from aging. The fact is that all we're talking about here is actually keeping people healthy, and people rather like to be kept healthy. So I really don't think that there's going to be much of a, much of a divide there. Um, and secondly, when we ask about the question with regard to it, the, the interaction with religion, we're not actually eliminating death with these technologies. We're just eliminating one particular very prevalent cause of death. And if you get, you know, if you die of aging at age 80 or you die of being hit by a truck at age 800, it's all the same to God. Mm, that's a um, good point. So this wouldn't necessarily prevent people from killing themselves should they want to do something like that. It, it wouldn't do that, but more to the point, it's, uh, it's effectively a religious duty to actually develop these therapies and make them available because what it's doing is saving lives. There's no difference between saving lives and extending lives. This is saving lives and it's alleviating suffering that goes with aging. So it's actually a religious duty. Just the gotcha. thing. I wouldn't um, necessarily, Mark, myself be too concerned because, you know, we've seen that the marketplace does amazing things when, uh, when consumer demand is out there. I mean, the marketplace is going to do amazing things for these technologies when uh, people like Dr. DeGray come out with a, their first proof of concept. Uh, you know, it's, you're probably having a tough time getting funding right now, but as soon as something comes out that people can look at and say, wow, these guys are really doing something, I would bet a whole bunch more funding is going to flow in. And of course, hopefully there are people out there that are, are, have competing ideas that are also working on uh, their own strains of their concepts, and um, that is, of course, going to bring these things to uh, to marketplace sooner rather than later. And, and as far as overpopulation is concerned, I think people blow that out of proportion. I think that you know we can always build up if necessary. So I wouldn't be worried about that. Doctor Gray has an interesting little um, thing here as far as uh, funding goes. Is he's uh, put together in his foundation something called Three Hundred? Could you talk about that real quick, Doctor? Yeah, the Three Hundred Club is just uh, a sort of uh, name that we give to our elite donors, donors who are giving us. 
at least a thousand dollars a year guaranteed for 25 years, or alternatively, people who've given us at least $25,000 already in cash. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we call them the 300. Now, what and happens when, um, when, when you guys, in 25 years, suppose you come up with your technology that you're, you're hoping to create, what happens to these 300? Oh, I, the, 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 the 300 are not actually buying anything by giving us this money. Okay. They're, they're simply accelerating the research. You know, we are not in a position to be able to say that we will own any particular intellectual property in 25 years' time. We don't know what's going to happen. Sure, you don't so know how it's going to be. Precisely. So we can't guarantee to be able, for example, to put some particular large donor at the head of the queue. But as I've explained, if you're a wealthy individual, you don't want to be at the head of the queue anyway because it will be dangerous then. Mm. Indeed, hmm. indeed. So um, actually, calls are still rolling in here. Uh, can we hang through uh, for a little bit more with you? Dr. DeGray, great. Hang on. We're going to bring you back. If you have a question for Dr. Aubrey DeGray, biomedical gerontologist, translation meaning he's uh, somebody who's working very, very hard on learning how to extend your life as long as possible. Um, It's an interesting topic. So if you've got a question, we've got him on for one more segment. 800-259-9231. We've got Kaifo in Indianapolis with a question and room for your call as well. 800-259-9231. Could you live another 20 to 200 to 2,000 years? He says yes, and I think that's pretty exciting. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is the live Saturday show. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever you want. The toll-free number for you is 800-259-9231. Though for the remainder of the hour, that line uh, will be dedicated to people who've got questions. For Dr. Aubrey DeGray, he is a a biomedical gerontologist, which means somebody who is uh, dedicating his life and researching how to make your life longer. Maybe really, really, really long. Uh, He's got a book coming out in the early part of September. We should cover all these bases in case we get distracted and forget to to plug it before the end of the show. The book is called Ending Aging. You can pre-order it for, I think, all of less than 18 bucks, actually, at amazon.freetalklive.com. Remember, when you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your purchase. So, uh, again, amazon.freetalklive.com. Look for Ending Aging by uh, Aubrey DeGray. Dr. Aubrey DeGray. He's also in charge of the the Methuselah Foundation. The website's a little bit uh, tricky, but you can go to MethuselahFoundation.org. That's M-E-T-H-U-S-E-L-A-H Foundation.org and uh, learn a lot more about what Dr. DeGray is up to. Of course, we've actually got him on the line with us. And uh, Dr. DeGray, are you back? Super. Uh, We're going to go straight to the phone calls here and talk to Kaifo in Indianapolis listening on WXNT. Kaifo, you're on with Dr. DeGray. Hi, guys. Uh, I wanted to ask Dr. DeGray about uh, his theories and how they relate to the neuroendocrine theory of aging as promoted by uh, uh, Ward Dean and Vladimir Dillman, and if it's incorporated into your theories or how it relates. And, and please explain ones. for people like me that don't know what a neuroendocrine theory is, uh, what that is as well, if you could. Okay, sure. So, um, yes, absolutely. The... the all endocrine theories, including the neuroendocrine theory or the neuroendocrine study of how um, the body works and how the body ceases to work as we age, that all revolves around hormones. In fact, that's what the word endocrine means. So in other words, hormones, active molecules that are circulating in the bloodstream and that are made by one or another of our organs and affect lots of other organs elsewhere in the body. And the approach that I take is to say, well, the endocrine system is really complicated. We don't understand it all that well yet. We understand a lot more than we used to, but we still don't really understand it. And 
we shouldn't try to mess with it too much. What we should do is to restore the structure and function of the tissues that are making hormones and the tissues that are reacting to them. So, for example, if there's a hormone that's not being made so much because the cells in the gland that makes it are dying and there aren't so many cells left, then we can use stem cell therapy to restore the number of cells in that gland so that the same amount of hormone is made. Putting hormones in by injection is much more rudimentary and doesn't work so well because the schedule with which we put in those hormones is not nearly so subtle. Or, uh, it's more effective to, to strike at the root, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Kaifo, any uh, other thoughts, follow-up? Oh, that's pretty much it. Thank you for the call, Kaifo. Appreciate hearing from you. 1-800-259-9231. So you're talking about repairing the body uh, when it starts to break down, much like you would repair a car, you know, popping a new air filter when you need to, in this case, popping in a new fill-in-the-blank, or whatever, repairing whatever is necessary. Would this... Um, how would this translate to somebody as far as, let's say, they're 50 years old when they get their first treatment, um, this you know theoretical first treatment that's way off in the future somewhere. Uh, they're yeah. 50 years old. They get their first treatment. That might buy them an extra 10 to 15 years on to their lifespan. And let's say they keep you know getting the treatments every 10 years or something like that. Are we going to see people visibly aging as we are today, or will they sort of slow down or stop? They'll actually be reversed, just in the same way that you take a car that's visibly aging and you take it into the garage and have a really good job done on it. It comes out looking younger than it did when you took it in. Mm, really? So it'll be like that. How, I mean, when you say... So it's, it's not going to end up like Gulliver's Travels with these really old individuals that can't remember anything. Their, their brains and bodies will be rejuvenated by these treatments. That's right, yes. So memory is an interesting one. Clearly, as we live longer, we will have more and more experiences and... Just uh, and we will probably remember uh, uh, only the same sort of amount, only a little bit more than we do now, rather than remembering everything. Um, but that's no different from how we are at the moment. Even by today's middle age, we're probably forgetting things as quickly as we are learning new things. Sure. Well, you so, you can only recall certain things that are important to you. There's no point in remembering a bunch of garbage. That's right. Wow, it's just absolutely fascinating. Now, you say that you can actually reverse, I mean, you're talking about possibly reversing the aging process to an extent. There must be, uh, obviously, a limit to that. You certainly couldn't reverse somebody uh, to where they start shrinking again. So, I mean, you're talking no, you about to... Uh, development. The difference here is between what happens during growth, during childhood, which is not part of aging at all, that's part of development, mm. and what happens after we have reached adulthood, which is aging. So we would never reverse someone into childhood, no. So in theory, though, you could take somebody who's in their 50s and theoretically, re re you know, re reverse them down to 25 for what they might have looked like back then? Looked like and also felt like inside as well. That is amazing. It is an amazing uh, positive vision. People really need to uh, to get behind this if they can. And, and again, once again, uh, the MethuselahFoundation.org is the website, and the book is Ending Aging, available on pre-order at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Now, uh, what about neuromuscular pathways? Now, you said that your your mind wouldn't remember everything that happened, although it would probably remember some, some things that happened in your very long life. You're talking about uh, someone living up to 1,000 years um, old. What about neuromuscular pathways that were created uh, you know, in a younger time? Like, for instance, an old gymnast can still grab the old rings and get up there and do a couple of moves. He's old, but he can do some moves because his body's been trained in it. Um, how's that going to work? Well, 
the ability to have certain skills, like being able to swim fast or um, being able to ride a bicycle or anything like that, um, let alone something more more um, elite like you just described, these are things that are memories. It's just that they're not memories that we would articulate in words. Mm-hmm. They're still memories. So they are retained to the extent that we use them, just the same way of memories that we can articulate are retained. And so, <clears throat> so if a gymnast stays in practice and they carry on doing the same things every so often, remembering the subtleties of how to do a particular exercise, then that function will be retained just the same way as any memories of like you know, what the capital of Venezuela is. Amazing. Now, um, just a personal question for you. Do you have trouble sleeping at night sometimes just because you're so excited thinking about uh, you know, new breakthroughs and that sort of thing? No, but that's really because I don't get enough sleep, because I'm too busy. <laughs> well, you are up late talking to us. Uh, he is in England, which means he's five hours ahead. It's uh, it's almost 1 a.m. your time right now. So, uh, Dr. DeGray, is there anything we haven't covered that you'd like to get out to uh, to our audience? Well, I don't think so. I think really you've emphasized that this is technology that is foreseeable. It's very ambitious and difficult, and it may take a long time. My time scales may turn out to be over-optimistic, but it's worth trying, because if we don't try, then we certainly won't get there. That's right. And we are talking about saving a very large number of lives. And, you know, the, uh, the old axiom, uh, sales axiom, if you don't shoot for the moon, you won't even make it over the fence. So, you know, go for it and keep up the good work, and uh, we'll be certainly paying attention. Once again, your website, MethuselahFoundation.org. People can actually get behind you financially here. Uh, of course, they can start things out by maybe reading your book, Ending Aging, the Rejuvenation Breakthroughs that Could Reverse Human Aging in Our Lifetime, to be released in early September. Get on the pre-order at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Dr. Aubrey DeGray, it has been an absolute pleasure. Pleasure having you on the show tonight. We'll uh, we'll have your archive up on our website later on uh, for anybody to access any old time. And uh, people can actually go and watch you on YouTube as well. If they go to YouTube.com and type in your name, I'm sure they'll come up with all kinds of interesting uh, videos. So thank you for coming on the show. It was really a pleasure. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend, sir. Thank you. 800-259-9231. How about that, Mark? Talk about Amazing. A, 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 just an incredible, positive topic, something that really could change the face of mankind forever. I think we all know that uh, you know science is, is clipping right along and, and making discoveries at just an exponential rate. And we all know that we're going to live longer than, say, our parents or grandparents did on an average. But to think that human beings' lives could... Uh, you know, be extended to 200 years in our lifetimes. Yeah, that's amazing. Even beyond. And he's he's claiming that, uh, you know, people could go on just indefinitely, a thousand years. I, I wouldn't want to go beyond a thousand because it just, even that sounds ludicrous. But um, just simply because... I'll take as much as I can get. He the, has these rejuvenation uh, uh, things that he's working on, these rejuvenation, uh, what, what, what was the, what was the term? Technology? I, yeah, don't re- I, don't I don't recall. Um, sessions. Yeah. Um, that he treatments. Ex- that treatments that treatment. he expects to, uh, you know, bring about. It's amazing. It really you just keep on getting one after another after another, and they you know, exactly. And with the way technology is, you know, it's it's constantly accelerating. Mm-hmm. There are uh, new releases of uh, new f- cell phones. They're always coming out. Uh, I mean, every month now, there's new technology, and uh, the same th- same thing would be applied to life extension. So by the time you were sort of running out on your first treatment, there'd already be another treatment ready for you, and then uh, even it, the, the wait would be even shorter to the next treatment, and so on and so forth. So forth. So Theoretically, you could continue extending on into eternity. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, the, and, of course, the question for you is, would you? You know? Have you ever even thought about it? If you had the opportunity to live forever, would you take it? 
Would it be worth almost any amount to you? Would you do it? I know I would. 1-800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. You can answer that question or bring up whatever's on your mind. Hour number two is on the way. It's a live Saturday edition coming up. The draft winds are a-blowing again. We'll fill you in. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control toll-free at 800-259-9231. It is the live Saturday edition of the program, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on our site we give away, so do enjoy those on us. And uh, that is, once again, freetalklive.com for your website viewing pleasure. And do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you'd like to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI, check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. That's 1-800-544-6359 for SACL CAI. As we go to the phones, to the fun, to Zach. In Vermont, you're on Free Talk Live. Zach? Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Uh, first of all, I'd like to say that I love your show. Well, thank, thank you. And second of all, I think that you guys are fucking people. Thanks for the call. Uh, 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. We just got off the phones uh, last hour with Dr. Aubrey de Grey. It was a fascinating conversation. Who is a, uh, bio, uh, a biomedical gerontologist, a man who's doing research into, and he's got a whole a foundation, the Methuselah Foundation, uh, this uh, M-Prize that he's offering up to people who are advancing life extension technology. Actual, you know, man with real vision as to how that, you know, maybe in the next 30 to 40 years, we could see extension of uh, our existing lifespans up to another 20, uh, 20 additional years. And then beyond that, maybe another 30 or 40 years. And then beyond that, a thousand years. Could go on forever. The guy's vision is incredible. So I took the time during the uh, top of the hour break to go ahead and sign up uh, for 10 bucks a month to contribute $10 a month to uh, his Methuselah Foundation. Because I'm impressed with what the guy's doing. I mean, he's out there. He's... uh, He's articulate. He's explaining this in easy-to-understand terms for mm-hmm. people, and I wrapped my mind around it, and, it, and it's something that excites me. So I'm, I just figured I'd let you know that. Good idea. I'm doing. Uh, all right. So now, Mark, I know you're busy trying to get the latest on the straw poll. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that uh, Ron Paul's executive uh, communications director is probably a little busy at the moment. I guess you've been sort of striking out on making some phone calls, but we will bring the, the latest to you as we learn it. Yes, I have a, a really great article from the New York Times about, uh, you know, just sort of the uh, the feel of the straw poll. Maybe we'll get to that, but first we're going to Eric in Michigan. Eric, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? This is Free Talk Live, right? It is. This is. Well, I tuned in and listened to some Liberty, but for the last hour it's just been this weird infomercial. Infomercial? Uh, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Kidding. Anyway, uh, the straw poll, Ron Paul today, I was actually really depressed with what he said. I mean, he was just pandering to the audience. It was really sad. Well, so I, I, I haven't heard it. I watched it this morning, and basically uh, he was talking about abortion and uh, life rights. Hmm. And so he says what we need to do is stop the federal government from providing for abortions and use the federal government to protect lives by preventing abortions. That seems unusual. Um, from what I understand, his message has been that the federal government shouldn't be involved and that it should be a state, uh, state issue. 
That's the thing, is immediately afterwards he said we need to uh, repeal Roe v. Wade, which would give it back to the states. But before that, he said we need the federal government to protect lives by preventing abortion. So that's strange. Kind of contradictory to me. You know, I, I'm not sure I agree with Dr. Paul's stance on uh, Roe v. Wade and how it should be a states' rights issue. But what do you mean? You think the feds should be involved in abortion, Mark? I think that uh, I think that it's an issue of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, the federal government is not supposed to be dealing with uh, cr- common crimes. I mean, well, if, you, if you're somebody who believes that abortion is murder, and I certainly don't want to get into that conversation, but if you are somebody that thinks that way, then there are laws against that sort of thing on the state, state level, level. You're and right. that's where it should stay, sir. I'm not saying I, I'm not saying that. Um, you know, I'm just not entirely in agreement. It seems like life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness—that's the sort of thing the federal government. I completely agree with Mark. Okay, Eric, any other thoughts? That'll do it. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, You know, as far as Ron Paul pandering, he is still a politician. Um, He's better than the rest of the politicians, but... Yeah, I've always thought that he's he's been doing a little bit of pandering, especially on the immigration issue, personally. Well, you know, he, the guy's got to get elected, and taking the hard-line liberty issue is, uh, you know, it's all fun and games when it comes to uh, talking to people on the radio. But when you got to get elected, you have to please a lot of people, and you can't educate everybody completely on liberty just in a presidential campaign. In right. a few seconds that you have to talk to them. So what was it you wanted to highlight from the uh, the New York Times story about the, the Strom poll? Well, it says here from uh, Jeff Zeleny, Ames, Iowa. The Ron Paul signs, it seems, are practically everywhere. You look here at the Iowa straw poll, there are bumper stickers and billboards and T-shirts in a wide variety of colors. I don't make predictions, but I do say we're going to do very well, Mr. Paul said. Screaming to be heard over a loud hooting and hollering from a few hundred supporters standing beneath his white campaign tent. How, how can anybody turn down the possibility of, to vote for freedom and hope? If Sam Brownback has his air-conditioned tent, yes, it's the same variety that Steve Forbes on a similar balmy day in 1999 used, and Mitt Romney has his large fleet of buses, Dr. Paul appears to be matching both his Republican rivals in the enthusiasm on the grounds of the Iowa State University in the opening hours of the political carnival here. Many of the people, of course, are not from Iowa. Driving here from Des Moines, the license plates of uh, Ron Paul supporters came from Washington State, Wisconsin, and Missouri. They not, may not be here able to vote here today at the straw poll, but that doesn't mean they don't have a purpose here today. Many of you are not here from Iowa, but you can persuade one or two or three people today, Dr. Paul said, speaking to his overflow audience of supporters crowding around him. Introduce to them the ideas and wonderful aspects of freedom. We can restore this hope for America and for our liberties. As Dr. Paul, who did not appear to be sweating despite his long sleeve green shirt and green tie, left his supporters with a parting piece of advice, if you're an Iowan, please go vote. And if not, go tell the Romney people to do the right thing. What does that mean? <laughs> that means vote for uh, Ron Paul or go home, I would think. I would think so. We're making our way around the grounds. The Republican straw poll smells of barbecue are wafting in the breeze, and country music is filling the air. Check back to um, see as the day unfolds. The polls here close at 6 p.m. Iowa time. Which is now. Uh, so the polls are closed, and we're waiting for the results. Of course, right. we'll uh, let you know. They're supposed to announce at 7 p.m. Iowa time, which is... Should be coming out now, and uh, I'll be checking back at the break with my man on the ground. Uh, all right, 800-259-9231. On the way, we'll talk about the draft. Uh, also, universal health care deserves a discussion. And, of course, take your calls about whatever's on your mind. Let's go unscreen to the amplifier line. Who's this? You're on Free Talk Live. This is the Christian Anarchist. Gene in Tennessee. What's on your mind, sir? I just wanted to tell you guys about my biodiesel truck. Do, do now, tell. It's now dressed up in... Uh, six giant Ron Paul 
bumper, uh, magnetic signs. I just got them, picked them up from the sign shop a little while ago, so I've got Ron Paul 2008 all over my truck. Nice. And uh, I haven't seen any reaction yet, but I only got the signs, of, like I say, two hours ago. Not even that, an hour ago. So. You know you've got, i just like to say, you know you've got a candidate that has something special when he's motivated the Christian anarchist to put <laughs> signs on his vehicle. Yeah, and I don't even vote. But, you know, I'm trying to get other people to vote. <laughs> yeah, wait, so you're so, still actually not going to bring yourself to vote? I don't think I'll vote. But, you know, <laughs> because here's the thing. I, people believe in the tooth fairy. And people believe in government. Now, I don't mind if people believe in government, just so long as that belief in government doesn't affect me. So by my promoting Ron Paul, I figure that allows me to have more freedom from these people that believe in the tooth fairy. So if they want to believe in the tooth fairy and vote for Ron Paul, mm-hmm. I think that's fantastic. I'm, I'm going to promote that. I'm going to ask people to go out and vote for Ron Paul. But most people aren't going to ask me if I'm voting. And, you know, I, I might even break down and vote just for the heck of it to, you know, participate in their little tooth fairy just just for fun. You know, like it, it's like when you uh, talk about Santa Claus at Christmas time for the kids, you know? Sure, you put on you a beard wanna, and pretend like it's real. Yeah, you don't want to ruin their, their belief in their fantasy. <laughs> so the belief in government is the same thing. It's a, it's a fiction, and if they want to believe in it, they can, just as long as it doesn't affect my liberty and my life. That's the main thing. Now, for, for somebody so, just tuning in, hearing, uh, hearing you make these allegations, when you say government is a fiction, can you explain that for somebody that's just coming across that concept? Well, it's a legal concept, and it exists um, in law. All corporations are fictions. That's why uh, they're known as a person, but it's a, the person is a fiction. It's not a real entity, just like if uh, I wanted you to show me Nike Corporation. You can't show me Nike Corporation because it's a fiction. You can show me buildings that have the name Nike on the side of it, and you can show me people that are claiming to have an office in the corporation, but you cannot show me Nike. It doesn't exist. Right. It's an idea. It's a concept, something written down on a piece of paper. And And uh, if you remember in V for Vendetta, he said that ideas are powerful. Indeed, that is the case. Corporate ideas are powerful as well. And uh, the and, idea of government is powerful. When people believe in it, uh, they uh, use it to uh, use that belief system to wield force and uh, rule over others, and that's bad. We oppose that. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Thanks for the call, Gene. This is Free Talk Live. It is the live Saturday edition of the program, and you can take control of the uh, the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online, freetalklive.com, the place to go. Shrine of Female Listeners is there. Dozens of ladies, uh, dozens and dozens of ladies have sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. See what I mean by heading over to shrine.freetalklive.com. That is shrine.freetalklive.com. Opportunistic lawyers, judges, future ex-spouses, disgruntled ex-employees, and meddling bureaucrats. These people want your money, home, and car. What have you done to protect yourself? At KeepYourAssets.net, they are experts in sheltering your wealth. Go to KeepYourAssets.net and take your asset protection crash course today. They'll show you how to keep your assets. That's keepyourassets.net. Right on. Uh, So, still on the way. Of course, your calls about whatever you want, uh, the draft. But let's start things out 
with universal health care. Just a universally bad idea. Unfortunately, we are seeing more and more people here in America promoting it. Uh, they call it universal health care or single payer. And of course, the real term is socialized health care. That's, you know, that's what it used to be called. Now they've come up with all these new terms for it, sort of like how uh, liberals have renamed themselves as progressives. Anyway, so here's the uh, story from uh, G-E-N. How would you pronounce that? Gen? 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 Gen. Anyway, Gen LaGreca from WorldNet Daily, who he actually sent me a link to this article personally, so this guy listens to the show. Michael Moore says he made the film Sicko to, quote, ignite a fire for free universal health care, unquote. Well, how absurd is it for someone seeking proper, uh, proper health care to take an odyssey to communist Cuba? That... Uh, that Moore's camera-rolling entourage would receive the same health care as a Cuban citizen stretches even a child's imagination. His film should be renamed Another Celebrity Falls for a Dictator's Dog and Pony Show. People like Moore believe capitalism is the disease and that government takeover and government takeover the cure for our health care ills. They think that people have a right to free health care simply because they need it. If so, why stop at medicine? Couldn't we claim the same right to other necessities? Like... Food, for instance? What if the government seized control of the food industry and fed us for free with a new entitlement called food care? Initially, food care will empty the horn of plenty into your lap. With your appetite and wallet parting company, the lobster you ate only on your birthday will become regular fare, as will your favorite Belgian chocolates and filet mignon. Because the same idea occurs to 300 million others, costs skyrocket, and a food care crisis develops. Big Brother can no longer foot the bill for your busy mouth, so he must limit your mastication. This requires new agencies, bureaucrats, and a 100,000-page rulebook. You visit your favorite restaurant to find it changed. Gone are the tablecloths, fa- uh, flowers, and cheerful hostesses to greet you. Enhancements you had gladly paid for in the price of your meal. The Department of Restaurants eliminated them as frivolous indulgences of the people's resources. The menu is reduced to a few modest offerings. Missing are the savory specials of the talented chef, whose last creation took 40 pounds, not of ingredients, but of paperwork, to gain approval from the new recipe administration. You want steak, but getting it requires that the chief call us, or the chef rather, call a central office to obtain pre-authorization. With the clock ticking and a long line waiting to slide into your barely warm seat, you order hamburger instead. You notice your neighbor eating steak. And sitting at the best table. You remember when he was laid off and you bought him dinner. Back then he thanked you for your charity and quickly got another job. But now that he has a right to food, he stopped working to eat courtesy of your tax dollars. You barely recognize the frazzled chef buried in paperwork. The once happy figure doting over your every need now slaves for a new master. One that denies his fee for serving cognac. Second guesses his decision to make cheesecake. Requires a certificate of need to buy an oven. You know that under food care, he's merely biding time until retirement. When he goes, you doubt he'll be replaced because enrollment in chef schools has dropped as the number of bureaucrats hounding them has risen. As time passes, everyone forgets how it started, but the crisis worsens. Michael Moore makes a pilgrimage to North Korea in search of adequate food. (laughs) You realize that the amount you pay into food care exceeds what you'd paid when you bought your own food, and you didn't obtain it for free. And then you didn't pay bureaucrats, or you didn't pay for bureaucrats and inspectors to tell you what to eat, or for those milking the system like your neighbor. Besides emptying your wallet, food care has drained all the pleasure you once derived from eating. 
Politicians blame their scapegoat, of course, the capitalists. It's all the grocers and chefs and food manufacturers' fault, and they pass laws to prevent any of them from owning a Mercedes while someone goes to bed hungry in America. They tell us profit is evil, and free food for all is a moral ideal. You wonder, is there something wrong with this picture? The ideal isn't the private system with happy chefs and grocers earning a good living in return for their talent and entrepreneurial risk and satisfied customers enjoying a Shangri-La of affordable food? The ideal isn't a spectacular abundance with everyone's standard of eating, including the poor, raised dramatically? And this achieved without government force, without fleecing taxpayers and robbing consumers and suppliers of their freedom to make their own personal choices and to interact voluntarily? Instead, the ideal is to transform free, self-determining individuals into state-controlled puppets. The food care scenario is actually playing out in health care. Once the gold standard of the world, American medicine has fallen to its knees from decades of crippling regulation, with the final blow about to come in the form of universal health care. You know, already one half of every uh, dollar spent in, in the medical field is spent by the government with uh, Medicare and Medicaid and all that other stuff that they're involved in. Yep. All the money's coming from uh, the government. So they're they're controlling what the spending is anyway. So the paperwork and the regulations are crippling the system. There's no doubt about it. Uh, just a few more thoughts here from uh, the gentleman at WorldNet Daily. To stop this despotism, we must repudiate the notion that health care is a right. No one has a right to demand for free the goods and services produced by others. We have the freedom to take action to further our own lives, to work, to earn money, and to pay for the things that we need while respecting the same rights of others. We don't have any right to enact laws to seize people's money, control their activities, and force them to provide services on terms dictated by Big Brother government. No good can result when the means used to achieve it are plunder and coercion. Universal health care merits the label sicko, or more accurately, tyranny. Unfortunately, he's, he's absolutely right, and I agree, and I think the, uh, the article's brilliant, how it c- compares and contrasts this sort of uh, theoretical food care program with universal health care. It does mm-hmm. a great job. Uh, unfortunately, the problem is in America that most Americans take it for granted that it is okay to seize people's money by force. Most well, Americans take it for granted that, you know, death and taxes, they're inevitable, right? That, they don't see it that way. They don't see that uh, having to pay into a centralized pool that is seizing people's money by force, um, they don't realize. You, you rarely see somebody saying, I'm not going to pay my property taxes and have their house taken away. It's, for one thing, it takes 10 years or something, some ridiculous amount of time before finally they get their house taken away from them. So... You know, there's there's not a lot of action. They don't send in the cops if you don't pay your uh, property taxes. They just put a giant lien on your house, and it gets bigger every year. And right. then somebody buys that uh, lien, you know, in foreclosure or whatever, and then they own your house. And, and that's not the person you had the argument with or the organization you had the ar- argument with in the first place. Well, right. And what you're talking about is indicative of the problem, and that is that government is done, has done a magnificent job. Normally it fails at virtually everything it tries. But it has done a magnificent job at pulling the wool over Americans' eyes, and people in the rest of the world as well, um, as to how it operates. The government has managed to fool people into thinking it's this, um, you know, this wonderful organization that actually helps people, when in fact it is a burden. It is a parasite. It is siphoning off your wealth and then deciding what to do on a completely arbitrary basis. And similarly with universal health care, uh, more on the way. If you've got thoughts about uh, universal health care, call in. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. 
Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever you want toll-free. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The archives are there. If you've missed a moment of the show... And we do 18 hours of the show a week, so if you're only getting two or three hours of uh, the weekend show, you've missed a lot. So go to freetalklive.com and grab the archives. They're right there on the front page of the website, easily downloadable and totally free, an entire year's worth of them. On the house, freetalklive.com. As the dollar continues to drop, precious metals rise. Make the trend your friend by subscribing to the International Speculator. Go to d2z.org and add the right precious metal mining stocks to your portfolio. That's d2z.org. So we've been talking about uh, health care, specifically this awful concept called universal health care. In case you don't know, uh, what that translates to is socialism, socialized health care, where everyone is told, you have a right to health care and you should get it for free. Which, well, of course, it, is not true right. uh, uh, the, on both counts. The whole concept of a right, it just shows how um, ignorant Americans have become that they even accept some politicians saying this crap. That's not a right. Look, if you've got a right to health care like you have a right to free speech, like you have a right to religion, like you have a right to uh, write what you want to and in the sense of freedom of the press, mm-hmm. like you have a right to be secure in your person's places, uh, you know, places uh, what is it, uh, houses and effects right. from all of those, uh, reasonable searches and seizures. All of those rights don't have anything to do with other people. Right. If you have a right to medical care, then somebody else, some doctor somewhere has an obligation to provide it to you or... I have an obligation to pay that doctor mm-hmm. to provide you with health care. There's no way you can have a right that obligates me to do anything. I don't, when you have the right of freedom, freedom of speech, I don't have the obligation to listen to you. That's right. Ram, you ramble on about whatever it is that you're rambling on about. You can go talk in your own front yard or in your house where you own the property. That's what your right to free speech is about. I suppose you have the right to free speech on public property. Um, you know, this this whole concept of public property is kind of a crazy thing yeah, anyway. Yeah, like so. to go away personally. But Government property You is have more the right accurate. to free speech on public property? Yeah. Um, you know, so the whole idea that you have a right to medical care, no, you don't. You don't have a right to medical care. You don't have a right to food. You don't have a right to water. Right. Anyway. And we've seen what happens when the government controls these things. When the government is one of, I mean, it's already in, as far as the, the level of control it has today, it's mostly in control of the healthcare situation in, in America today. And that's bad. And it's, and it's made the healthcare system sort of stagnant. New technologies aren't coming out as often as they should be. They're not reducing in price. They're increasing in price, unlike everything else, where there's a very little government intervention, like the computer field, where Things get cheaper and better over time. Doctors it, have to hire huge staffs um, just to do just, paperwork. Just to be, do, do the paperwork to get paid from Medicare, Medicaid, and all this other stuff. But look at all of the other healthcare, socialized healthcare failures from around the world. I mean, do we need to do anything more than just look at the examples of what has been tried and what has failed in the past? I mean, beyond the fact that it doesn't work in theory, it also doesn't work in practice. And. We saw what happened when the government was supposed to provide people with food, going back to this whole theoretical food care concept that the uh, the writer over at WorldNet Daily came up with. Weren't they waiting in bread lines when the government was handling the food situation in communist Russia? I believe they were. 
bread light, uh, bread and water. Maybe it's a moldy bread. Mm, mm, mm. But it's free, Mark. It's free. I'm sure they had to pay for it in Russia. They Lenin tried to do without uh, do without money anyway. But you know that was the whole idea was that the, the, somehow the state can provide. The state cannot provide. Have you ever been to the county clerk's office? Have you ever been to the DMV? These people can't provide. They're bureaucrats. They're mired in their own um, little politics inside their office, and they're incentivized not to get work done, not incentivized to get work done like we are out in the real world. Now, I'm not saying the bureaucrats can't be turned around and incentivized properly, but... Not in the not from a government standpoint. Well, they can be. They just have to be um, not be bureaucrats anymore. Right. Have to work in uh, the private sector. Have to work for themselves. That sort of thing. And I'm not saying that some aren't better than others. There certainly are some better bu- bureaucrats. Than Your others. wife used to be a bureaucrat. She did, and she, um, you know, basically they they had to uh, restaff her because she'd be done with her work, um, you know, halfway through the month, and it made all the rest of them look bad. <laughs> they couldn't handle handle having her around. No, no, they didn't like That's it. That's funny. Amazing. Uh, typical as well. 800-259-9231. If you are a fan of this universal health care concept, I would love to have you call in and defend it because it's indefensible, in my opinion. 800-259-9231. Let's go to the phones. Talk to Frank in New York. Frank, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Yeah, I'm, I'm for universal health care. Let me explain why. The Americans pay so much in income tax, state income tax, local taxes, uh, property taxes, educational taxes, sales taxes, and the middle and working class gets virtually no benefits from that. The very wealthy at the very top of our economic pyramid have, with an income of over uh, $500,000 a year, can uh, utilize so many tax loopholes and tax shelters whereby the government's paying them money, uh, you know, when they really, uh, you know, uh, should be paying... How's the government certain paying rich people money? Well, there's farm subsidies and that sort of thing. And tax shelters and farm subsidies sure, sure, sure. and oil investments. Well, no, tax hold on. Credits. Now, you're talking about taxes, Frank. I mean, we all uh, – I think right. we all we agree that taxes are taxes. bad. We pay enough in taxes that the – and your notion that, that uh, the government is giving people Social Security, that's taken out of their paycheck. Approximately 50% of their earned income goes into that now. It's ridiculous. So what I'm trying to say is this. The Americans pay enough – we should at least get that. And if we don't, but you Frank, know, our system it's absurd. is so corrupt. Frank. And it is one of the worst. It's the 36th worst health system delivery system you, in the you're world, joking, according right, to Frank? the UN. Are you Pardon kidding? Me? You're kidding with me, right? No, like, I'm not. We know that Americans pay through the France, nose in taxes, but Frank, Canada, Frank. And they offer the very best universal health care. But taxes are only going to go up if we get universal health care, Frank. Our Canadian taxes citizens, are already high. And you know they're, gonna keep they're going to go up. Look and at Sweden. Americans lose their jobs. They're not going to be paying taxes. And, and, and they're not going to be getting health care if they're not able that. to pay into those, um, you know, that, that tax uh, the system point is, that you're talking people about. People have been paying for generations, and we're the only country in the world that doesn't provide its people with Frank, universal health care. Frank, you are normally so we're illogical. We're the only normally country Frank, in the world. You, South Africa was the old holdup, but after Nelson Mandela was president, the first thing he did was provide universal health care uh, for the South Africa. you're Africans. out of your mind on this issue. I'm, I'm sorry, not. Frank. I'm correct. You know, the solution is not to keep the tax levels where it's at and try to offer more benefits, so-called. The solution is to put money back into your pocket so you can decide how to spend it Are and let the marketplace get, decide. Are you getting money from the AMA to do this? Are you getting money from the uh, no, American I'm Medical Association? No, I'm looking at history. I'm looking at the history of universal health care. You talk about Canada's system. 
system it's that the Canadians come down excellent. here to get their uh, their health care taken it care of. It is excellent, the system. You and are I've full of it. I've actually had experience with it. But the it Canadians, the the Canadians the call world. this show, Frank, and they say otherwise. Yeah, the Canadians no, have... The AMA, you know what, when the U.S... Uh, I would agree with you that the AMA has, has a monopoly, Frank, and, and that's a bad monopoly, and we should allow Canada. anybody to provide health care that, that wants to. the AMA's political action group. I think the AMA is terrible. False information. Frank, you're not listening. I, I think the AMA is terrible. I don't like the idea of any union, which is essentially what the AMA is, being in charge of um, you know setting policy for the government. But when it... You know, oh, we lost him? I'm not sure what that is. Frank? I think we might have lost him. Ooh, Go on with your gone. point, though. Well, we didn't, we didn't try to lose him. Um, you know, when any kind of union gets to decide what the policy is of the government, it's going to be self-serving. Of course it is. And the AMA serves the interests of the doctors, and it shouldn't be. What The, the interests that be, should be served here are the medical patients. And the AMA, not always looking out for you. No, the, the current situation is bad. We understand that. We're not saying keep things the same. We're saying that we should be going in a direction towards less government involvement in health care instead and to of think more. That, to think that you're going to get more out of the government by paying the same amount of taxes that you currently are is ludicrous. It's fantasy. You obviously, Frank, have not uh, learned very much uh, in your observations of the government as far as how they operate and how uh, piss poor they are at spending money. Uh, they just don't have the same incentives that you and I do. When, when you're spending money that is not yours, that has been taken from others by force, you just don't spend it in the same way that the original holder of that money would have spent it. That's a fact. Yep. Government programs are inefficient, they're slow, they're stupid, they're bureaucratic, they're burdened by paperwork, and you want more of that in the healthcare system? Because that's what you're going to get with this universal healthcare idea. And what if I don't want to participate? What if I don't want your universal health care? You've got to go to jail, son. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Your show, you take control, toll free. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll free line. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. All the features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go and shop at the Free Talk Live store. We've got all kinds of great Free Talk Live merchandise, including the brand new and uh, very cool Free Talk Live hoodies. And uh, as well as, uh, of course, T-shirts and hats. And uh, we've got DVD Classic Archive collector sets. We've even got our own flag. Uh, I think you're going to like the products. They're high-quality merchandise. We think they're great. And our listeners do as well. So uh, the testimonials are there if you want to read them. But uh, store.freetalklive.com is where you go to place your order. Browse through the ca- uh, the catalog. That's store.freetalklive.com. As we go to the phones, to the fun, the amplifier line, talk to Puke in New Hampshire. Puke, you're on Free Talk Live. Uh, good evening, gentlemen. Hey, what's up? Uh, I hate to sound like a broken record, but the only analogies I know of are the ones that I learned in the military. So, <laughs> uh, Frank was just talking about how wonderful it would be if the government ran health care. Well, I've already experienced what it's like when the government runs health care, because I was in the military, and so that's essentially the free universal health care. That's true. And um, uh, most anybody, you know, uh, my grandfather was in Korea. My great-grandfather was in World War II, and they all had problems with the VA. Uh, I had problems with the, the, the Army hospitals when I was in six years in the Army. Um, of course, I did have, you know, a couple of good experiences, but those were the rarities. Yes. You know, there was there was always 
long lines, long waits. Uh, the the doctors were usually rude, and you had to fill out all kinds of paperwork. Um, you know, I went to the dentist one time, and the uh, the it was a civilian that was doing it because all the uh, military dentists were you know in Iraq or wherever, mm-hmm. and she had my uh, gums bleeding just oh. from cleaning it. You know, it, it was it was the worst time I've ever been to the dentist. My gosh, and it was just horrible. And, and I mean, this is this is the this is the type of crap that you're going to get if the government runs all hospitals and healthcare on you know in the country. We've seen stories from uh, Great Britain where they have uh, socialized dentistry too, and some people use pliers to uh, pull their own teeth out. They'd rather just not wait for the months and months it takes to get to the dentist to do an extraction. Yeah, it's horrible. I mean, I I, I never went to the uh, the hospital, but once or twice when I was really sick when I was in the army because I just I didn't want to deal with it. I don't blame you. I haven't I haven't ever met a veteran that doesn't have issues with the VA, that doesn't have his own set of horror stories. Uh, as you say, there are inevitably going to be the occasional good circumstances. Sure. Uh, but but for the most part, it's just absolutely awful. Yeah, it really is. And uh, for some reason, I, I don't understand why why people um, don't get it. They don't realize. For some reason, I guess they have these rose-colored glasses That's where it? they think. Nothing, nothing bad will come from, you know, the the, the uh, what do you call it, benevolent government. You know, they're not in it for profit. They can't possibly uh, try and. That's and really the problem. Mind. That's really the problem. The government <laughs> yeah. isn't in it for profit when it's providing medical care, and I, that's really the issue. They yeah. won't do a good job because they're not in it for profit. Doesn't matter if they do a good job. You, you know, you're going to come back to them because that's the only place you can go to when it comes uh, to the government control. The, the, it'd be the DMV. You know, for everything, and and people don't seem to realize that that the reason that we have everything that we have, as far as technology and and conveniences and services, were all created by somebody looking for profit. Yep. Somebody who wanted to make a buck and make their life better, and because of that, everybody else's life is better. You know. And if it was just the government, you know, a bunch of bureaucrats with no incentive, just sitting around in the day job, you know, flicking spit wads at the clock until it says five. Yeah, it would be a much different world. You are exactly right, Puke, and thank you for the call. No Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. People, really, who, people out there that are considering this universal health care uh, concept really need to listen closely to people like uh, Puke and others who have uh, just had these awful experiences in Canada's system, in uh, the, the VA, which is our own sort of little mini universal health care system here in the United States. They can barely even handle funding the VA. Right? Do you want to expand that out to all 300 million people in America? I mean, it is absolutely insane. And as far as what he was saying about the development and the new technologies, you might as well kiss all that goodbye unless it comes from another country. Because once the government's in 100% control over health care, nobody's got an incentive to develop new technologies anymore. No one cares. Well, in most other countries, they don't have the same. They same. They have a universal health care system, and they don't have any. Uh, incentives to develop anything. Most of the medical discoveries in the world are coming from the United States. If you talk to a Canadian and that Canadian is telling you, oh yeah, we've got the best health care system in the world, that Canadian's probably in his 20s. Because he, the, he learned all that in school, right. and he has never had to deal with it. Exactly right. The, uh, the kids are indoctrinated in Canadian government schools to believe that they've got the greatest health care system that's ever been, uh, ever been invented, and they go on throughout their lives thinking that until, until disaster strikes. Until they need a, you know, some kind of heart bypass surgery or something and like that. And then the and waiting game begins. Mm-hmm. 
and the waiting and the waiting. And then you decide, you know what, screw all this waiting. I think it's worth driving to the United States in order to actually get the health care that I need. Because you're willing to pay for it. People should be paying for the products and services they're utilizing. And it once again comes back to that issue of, well, if you have a right to health care, then that means you have the right to someone else's labor. If you have a right to health care, if you walk into the emergency room and there's nobody there, having a right to health care means that you, ha- you have the ability to point a gun at a man's head and demand that he go in to work and work on you and not be compensated by you for the work that he's, that he's done. That's or, insane. It, it, will, it won't turn out that way. What in fact, No, the, you won't hold the guns. Right. The obligation will be created on me. To go to work and then pay into this uh, healthcare system that I don't want. I do not want it. I want to pay for every medical treatment I get out of my own pocket mm-hmm. or from my insurance company. I want to be able to contract with an insurance company to do it. I don't want to have um, some universal healthcare system, but I'm going to be forced to. That's right. You'll be forced to pay for it. Then that money goes into some centralized bureaucracy where. If I don't pay for it, it's, it's in income tax, in the form of income tax, then I'm going to go to jail. Right. The money goes into some centralized bureaucracy where who knows how much of it's just going to go to overhead and paying all the bureaucrats to try to figure out how to spend the money. Then once uh, whatever money's left filters down to the level of the doctors and the nurses, they don't you know, actually get paid based on any sort of incentive system. They have an incentive to move as many people through the system as possible. The way it typically works is that a doctor will get paid on a per head basis, and there's a certain limited number of people that he can see on a daily basis. So it's not like he can just shuffle a whole bunch of people through, but what he can do is shuffle as many people through as possible, get done for the day, and shut down his office. Uh, And then, of course, you get to wait until he's ready to open up again and continue doing business. And because the doctor gets paid a flat fee based on whatever the services are that are are being rendered, based on whatever arbitrary governmental bureaucrat decides what those uh, services are worth, it's not the marketplace that's deciding what services are worth. It's not the market and consumers and supply and demand setting prices. It's a government bureaucrat. Or a board of government bureaucrats sitting there saying, huh, well, uh, let's give our doctors uh, $60 to do X, Y, Z. And then so that the, sounds good. The doctor knows he's going to get paid no matter how good of a job he does. He sees you. He uh, pokes you and prods you. He gives you some pills you might not even need. And uh, you shuffle on through and you move on with your life. He gets his paycheck. And he doesn't care. It doesn't matter if you come back later on saying that you, you know, the pills did something awful to you. He, he doesn't care. He's got no liability. Go take it up with your go take it up with your health board. You can appeal to the governmental appeals board, and then you can sit and wait as they decide what you what they're going to do about it, if anything. Right. Well, go ahead and uh, uh, complain about what happens at the DMV. See what happens. <laughs> go ahead and complain. Go, complain to the postal service. I mean, let's let's look at a at a government bureaucracy that complain actually, about the police that actually operates to some extent. Right. The postal service has some market competition, the FedEx mm-hmm. and uh, UPS, and so that's why the Postal Service can actually do something. They don't do it very well. They're not very friendly about it, but they can get the mail from point A to point B most of the time. Right. They're, they're probably the best bureaucracy as far as efficiency goes but out when, of all of them, and that's not saying much. But when a piece of your mail arrives and it's been sliced open and rummaged through, or a piece of mail that was really important, which, if it's really important... You should know better by now than to send it with the Postal Service. But let's just say you've sent something important to the Postal Service. When it arrives or doesn't arrive at all and you've got an issue that you need to resolve with the Postal Service, good luck. Julia, my girlfriend, had uh, an issue of, I think, some mail not arriving. 
And she went and she she contacted the Postal Service, and it's just like any other bureaucracy where you call the helpline, and, oh, yeah, we'll send you over to so-and-so. She'll help you with that. And then you like, go to so-and-so. The next one, to the next one. Right, yeah, they'll and pass then finally you, on. you get to somebody, and you leave a voicemail, never and they call never you call back. you back. And that's it. You call a few times. You get the same run around that she you always do. She kept calling back, though. She really was fastidious about this. She kept calling back to try to get in touch with this bureaucrat. Finally got the bureaucrat on the phone. And after 20 minutes of wrangling with this bureaucrat over the phone, she got some free stamps. Sweet. Whoopty freaking do. Big deal. She spent hours trying to get something resolved, and all she got was a book of stamps. It's not about customer service when it comes to government. It's just about feeding the bureaucrats and sucking off your wealth. Hour 3 is coming up. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever you want. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it is Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the website we give away. Uh, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. Now, last hour, we told you we were going to keep you up to date as soon as we heard anything on the Iowa straw poll results. Obviously, a lot of our listeners are very excited to find out about how Ron Paul uh, performed. From what you've told me, Mark, so far, the turnout for as far as Ron Paul's supporters at the straw poll was unprecedented. It's been tremendous. I mean, if, if it, I just can't. The, the superlatives that have been used to uh, describe uh, Ron Paul in this campaign are amazing. The, the amount of turnout and, and that whole thing. I, I couldn't believe it. Didn't uh, you say that uh, talk show host Laura Ingram was on stage trying to introduce somebody and uh, the Ron Paul supporters were just drowning her out or something like that? Right. Um, apparently, let me uh, re- read real quick from the uh, blog here on uh, the uh, Iowa caucuses website. And it says here, and giving an account of what Ron Paul um, you know, had said. So but, this isn't necessarily a Ron Paul friendly blog? No, it's not. This is just the Republican blog. Okay. Um, so it says here. The Ron Paul mass, capitalized, mass, of supporters... All, all four letters capitalized? Yes. Okay. ...is everywhere, all caps. They are drowning out everything. There are many of them, and they are passionate and loud. They're just streaming in from everywhere. It sounds like a man giving an account of a, of a battlefield, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> well, people can get passionate about the message of liberty, and I think this is great news. Ingram can hardly even give an introduction. She's being drowned out by the congressman cra- cra- congressman's crowd of fans. Big applause. As Ron enters the stage and takes the podium, he's trying to quiet the faithful. What a delight for the healthy, energetic welcome. Thanks, crowd. And it goes on to talk about what he says. Right. Um, you know, it's it's amazing. I'm telling you, I've been reading uh, report after report like this. Apparently, the place is just mobbed with Ron Paul supporters and something I'm hearing. This is we're getting into the range um, of of just gossip at this speculation. Point. But I've heard there's only 13,000 votes been cast. Okay. Now, they're expecting something well over 20,000. Really? Okay. Which means, to me, that a bunch of Republicans stayed home because Bush has been a crappy president. Maybe. Um, it, well, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of Republicans out there that are very dissatisfied with the way Republicans have been in office for the last six years, for, from 2000 to 2006. 
Now, as they should be. He said he was running on a smaller government campaign. They're not going to vote. Lied. They're not going to vote to get Hillary in, but they don't know what to do. They haven't heard the message of Ron Paul, a, a real conservative, a conservative in the sense that he wants to fiscally control the government mm-hmm. and run the government by the Constitution. It's amazing stuff. You can't can't even. Um, no one can even fathom this kind of. Thing. Can I speculate for a moment here? Please. Okay. Uh, the latest, by the way, from the straw poll is officially is that. They're recounting by hand right, the ballots. Right, optical scanner problem right. with uh, one of these uh, rigged Diebold machines that they've got. Here's my conspiracy theory. Ooh, good. Uh, the problem was that Ron Paul won, and so they're recounting just to make sure that, uh, you know, he actually won. Ah, uh, I bet you might be right. That's what I'm... That's just my theory. I don't know. 13,000 votes. Look, Mitt Romney bought 10,000 himself. I heard it from uh, the the media manager from Ron Paul's campaign. Mitt Romney bought 10,000 votes. That means he couldn't give those things away. Well, maybe now, he gave he's, away all 10,000. He's expected... He was um, roundly supported by the uh, Iowa Republicans, the the actual you know organization, the GOP mm-hmm. in, in Iowa, he, uh, you know, he's expected to win by a landslide in this straw poll. He can't give away those things. There's only 13,000 votes have been... But wait, uh, what evidence do you have that 10,000 10, of the 13,000 aren't Mitt Romney votes? I have none, but okay. um, look, the place is swarmed with Ron all... Paul supporters. I mean, is all you have to do is see these photos of tens of thousands of people there. Ron Paul has people coming in from all over the country to support mm-hmm. him. It's not just Iowans. It's amazing, yeah. and uh, of course, so they are hand counting, rehand, or I guess they're hand counting the ballots now. It was uh, an electronic voting system, which of course made a bunch of people roll their eyes and say, "Oh my goodness, you know, we don't have a stand a chance. They're going to hack the vote or whatever conspiracy theories are going on out there." So we don't know. I mean, at this point, we might wrap up the show tonight and still not know what has happened. But I think if, if they're do, doing a hand count, the chances are very good that that's going to be the case. Right. So um, as you know, we'll certainly keep up on it as we go throughout this final hour of the, uh, the live Saturday show. We'll give you the latest if anything else breaks. But, oh, should we, should we rumor monger a little bit while uh, we're at it here? We're, we're doing it already. Well, we've been trying to get Ron Paul on the show. Mm-hmm. And... He's been scheduled, and it's been penciled in, and it's been canceled, and it's been moved off, which is fine with me, okay? Because we might only get one interview with the guy, because as he gets more and more popular, the demand's going to increase. At this point, they're obligated to give us an interview at some point. Right. So the longer they wait is okay with me, because the longer they wait, the more Ron Paul will get attention from other major media, like the New York Times mm-hmm. article. I'd rather have him after the New York Times article than before it, uh, because more people, you know, every day goes by, more and more people are discovering Ron Paul. They're paying attention to the Ron Paul website. And so that means that when Free Talk Live finally gets him, then more people will be listening. He'll be and, more of a phenomenon. Right. And that means more people will find Free Talk Live as a result of Ron Paul, which actually has really been – his candidacy has just been fantastic, not just for Free Talk Live, because we've, got, we've garnered some extra listeners. For instance, some of our listeners will go to the Ron Paul meetups and meet with other interested Ron Paul um, supporters mm-hmm. and tell them about Free Talk Live. So we've, uh, we've garnered new listeners from Ron Paul's campaign, so that alone is valuable. But the, the effect that Ron Paul's campaign has already had on the – just the general – pro-liberty movement in America, I don't think we've really been able to calculate quite yet. I think that, I mean, looking I'm sitting at this here, turnout here. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, maybe, just maybe, Ron Paul won the um, Iowa straw poll. That's just the kind of effect don't he's had. Don't get your hopes up. Though. I understand what you're saying. But I'm sitting here, maybe that's true. So, Judging by the crowd, it may very well be the case. I'm just, that's, that's the level that, um, you know, pro-freedom has been brought to. 
in this country by Ron Paul. My rumor mongering is going to be that Free Talk Live, you know, we are going to get him one of these days. It may be as soon as a week from now. Yeah, it might very well be, um, you know, the next next Saturday. I want him for Saturday, so odds are good it's going to be a Saturday show. And if it's a Saturday show, odds are good it'll be the first hour. That's all I can say. I don't want to nail anything down because these things change with a moment's notice. Uh, but nonetheless, just looking at the effect that this this guy has had on uh, just his campaign has had on getting people energized, re-energizing people, giving them something to believe in, because unfortunately the Libertarian Party just hasn't been cutting the mustard as far as you know giving people something to really get behind and get excited about. Ron Paul has, and he's done it all within what a handful of months, six months. Really, his supporters have done it. Um, Ron Paul has... If he hadn't run, though, I mean, uh, right. he was the catalyst, and the supporters are the ones that have really um, gone out and done the hard work. And this is the right time for it. Uh, the Republican Party has, you know, I mean, it's it's shown its true face, unfortunately. You know, in 2000, I thought it was... I thought George Bush was the right guy to get in there. I really did. Um, you know, I might have voted for Harry Brown, whatever, but... You know, seeing them in action for 2000 to 2006 when they controlled the White House, the House, and the Senate, mm-hmm. it just showed them for what, you know, what they were, politicians. Big government freaks. Money grubbing. They thought that, you know, I, what was it, uh, was it, I can't remember the guy's name, the the Speaker of the House that said, we've cut government down to the bone, we can't go anymore. <laughs> Trent Lott or something like yeah, that. Something ridiculous. One of those guys. I mean, the government's bigger than it's ever been it's before. A, it was absolutely absurd. Let's go to the phones, to the fun, and talk to John, listening in Oklahoma to KGWA. Hello, John. Yeah, hello. How are you guys doing today? Great, Good sir. What's on your mind? Well, I tell you, before I jump to the subject, I want to ask you all a question. Uh, does anybody know what ever happened to two communes that were popular, came into being, I guess, during the hippie era? One was called New Buffalo and... Uh, Colorado started by a bunch of hippies, like 150 hippies. I don't, I don't know, but I would speculate that uh, most communes are doomed to failure. Have, have you ever been to a commune? Well, no, but uh, well, but the point I'm getting at is I'd like, I'd like to know they still in existence, and if so, uh, how well they succeed. There's another one that... Uh, um, What is it? Hold on. Before you go on, what defines success for a commune? Staying together for a certain period of time? Well, yeah, yeah, continue to exist and carry on generation after generation. Okay. Because there's there's actually no, you know, there's no real goal to the commune besides to just, you know, keep going into the future. They don't produce anything besides growing their own food, which they're not even that good at. And uh, they can't even really clean up their their areas very much. I've always been amused. And I'll bring you back because I know you had more points. So hang on, John, okay? Uh, 800-259-9231. The few times that I've actually been on communes, I've always been amused by how dirty they are. Just filthy. You know, aren't you guys about the environment or something? You can't even keep your own house clean? 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's the live Saturday edition of the program. You can take control of the airwaves, bring up whatever's on your mind. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 800-259-9231. And it is Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site we give away. And those features include the wiki. Over 1,375 pages created by listeners just like you. It's like the listener editable version of our website. Visit it at wiki.com. .freetalklive.com, wiki.freetalklive.com. Like everything else on our site, it's totally free. The Republican Liberty Caucus welcomes new members in the pursuit of individual rights, limited government, and free enterprise principles within the GOP. Visit rlc.org and click join us today. 
We'll find liberty together. That's rlc.org. As we go back to the phones and back to John listening on KGWA in Oklahoma. Hey, John. Hey, how you doing? So you had okay. started your call out by asking us about some communes that used to exist back in the 70s. And, Mark, you actually did a Google search during the break on that, didn't you? Yeah, it was uh, this new Buffalo commune uh, apparently started in 1967. Kind of oh, fell it folded? Up. I'm sorry, what? It folded, you mean? Yeah, it folded in 1970. Yeah, it's... Well, okay. That's well, what happens. Communism like, fails. Looks even like on they a, had a good uh, fun yeah, time. There, there was another one. I don't know the name of it. Uh, it was be started by, by an Italian architect down in Arizona. It's a really, it was really a beautiful uh, installation or establishment because it, it was eventually going to house like 50, uh, I'm sorry, 5,000 people. And it was w- well-designed. It was uh, uh, alongside of a gorge somewhere, hmm. uh, deep. Gorger in Arizona. It's a, it was really beautiful. They did a uh, uh, profile of this on, I think it was like 2020 or something like that at the time. But I don't, again, I've done no follow-up. I had no idea what happened to that one either. It's probably there were failed. Many millions of dollars being poured in that one by by a lot of wealthy uh, Europeans. <laughs> Communism uh, it doesn't work on a national scale, and it doesn't work. It works a little better with like three people living in a house, but really, it doesn't work that much better. And uh, it's just it's just something and a concept that is doomed to failure because you can't get rid of human, you know, the the human urge to uh, possess things and uh, you know actually be. Rid of laziness either, you know the the houses that were communal that I knew about up in up in Portland, Oregon, when I was there during the hippie era. Uh, most of those uh, folded because the people literally couldn't stand each other. You had people that wanted to lay around and let everybody else do the work for sure. them, and they did nothing, you know, except consume, you know, do drugs and and uh, go out and, and hang out in the park, you know. That's all they wanted to do. Yeah, exactly. Everybody else would expect to put the meal on the table and, and uh, earn the money to uh, keep them going and keep a, a roof over their head. But, but you know what, John? As far as the commies are concerned, if they want to go and join a commune and share their wealth together, then that's fine. Go ahead. You know, go ahead and live in squalor and do whatever and lay around. As long as you're doing it on a voluntary basis, I'm a okay with that. But try to force me into your communist system, and there's going to be a problem. Yeah, well, like I said, it runs counter to human nature. Totally. Uh, okay, now back back to socialized medicine. You already have it in this country on a very large scale. Uh, it's called the Brown Act. And what happens is hospitals that receive any amount of federal funding have to treat anyone who walks in off the street, mm-hmm. regardless. And they no, they don't have to have a means of payment. They don't have to have insurance policy coverage or anything else. They have to treat them from the time they're admitted until until the time that they can be considered cured or fully treated, whatever, and walk out the door. Hmm. So you have you have gangbangers who who get eighty five, ninety thousand dollar operations for gunshot wounds, and you got uh, people who come up here from from Central America with with chronic disease conditions that maybe cost two or three hundred thousand dollars to treat them over a period of several years. Right, and get all that. Once, they, once that. they're admitted in, into a, into a, a hospital that's under this Brown Act, and about ninety plus percent of all the hospitals in the country uh, have to be uh, Abide by the by the Brown Act. Now you know, ironically, uh, back in the seventies, I suggested to then Senator Mark Hatfield in Oregon that uh, we should engage in what what I called revenue sharing, and that was that the individual states should collect all the federal money which the federal government had voted to itself in each respective state, hold on to that money, and then only turn over to the federal government that amount of money which the state legislatures decided uh, collectively to 
give to the federal government. And that way they would actually have shrunk the federal government rather yeah. than having to get larger and larger it, by encroaching on the power of the, of the individual, uh, all the states plus the individual uh, counties and cities. Certainly it would have worked better than what we have today. There's no doubt about it. John, thanks for the call. We really appreciate hearing from Thank you. 800-259-9231. Of course, it would be better just get rid of the federal government entirely. Obviously, that won't work in the sense that you, we, don't, we don't send our income tax to the uh, state governments. They yeah. go to, you know, um, if you're in Florida, they go to the uh, office in Atlanta. And I don't know. I imagine it's one in Boston, right. one in New York, and one in all the major uh, metros. Let's uh, continue with the phone calls. Talk to Andy in Michigan, listening on WTKG in Grand Rapids. Hello, Andy. Hi, guys. Um, I just want to, you know, I I kind of disagree with you guys on Bush a little bit. I think uh, I haven't agreed with all his policies, but I do think he is a stand-up human, and I think he is a good guy. I mean, I don't agree with the Do you war know George Bush? How do you know? I mean, how could you possibly even have an opinion about his personality? Well, how do you know Ron Paul? We don't I don't, know, I don't we, know Ron Paul, but what I do know is that he votes no on virtually everything that comes across his desk. Right, you can look at his voting record in the same way that you can look at what George Bush has done in office. Right, and if you look at what George Bush has done, then you'll see that George Bush has presided over the largest increase in government that we've seen in a a long time. He he has grown government at a faster clip than Bill Clinton uh, could have even had wet dreams about, sir. This man is an incredibly big government politician, and I don't care how good of a guy he yeah, is. Yeah, I think he's a have... good guy. I don't, but that you know that you know Jimmy Carter's a good guy. Do you want uh, him back in office? That's debatable, but well, he's a he's a good human being. Right, you can have yeah, beers with a guy. He has he crazy political ideas. All, all our dictators, but you know that's all right. Well, he he believes that he's going to draw us back into some kind of uh, you know I don't know communist well, utopia or something. Well, if Ron such a star, why isn't he showing up in the polls anywhere? Who's Easy that? to answer. If Ron he says, "Is Ron Paul's not as such a star? Why isn't he showing up in the polls?" He well, just he came in showing. fifth in the uh, um, Iowa straw poll. Is that good enough for you? Fifth. Fifth. In the Iowa straw poll, I thought you guys were seeing these, all these people that were showing up fifth. Well, yeah, hold Rudy on. Where do, you think, and... where do you think Rudy Giuliani came in? He wasn't there. He, he, yes, he was. He had campaigners he on the ground in Iowa all week. He wasn't on the straw poll. You guys know that. He, he was eighth. Out, so. He came in eighth, sir. So did me. So you're he mistaken. Fred Thompson, would you out. like to know where Fred Thompson came in? Seven. McCain, Tom, McCain Thompson and McCain, uh, McCain came in there, and you guys know that. Let me, let me, he's saying no, that they're they there. They got votes. There. No, he's saying they I physically that, weren't there. They, they weren't there. Physically, in person, they were not there, and he's correct about that. Now then, uh, let me answer your the question. The reason that Giuliani about, did that. Can I answer his question about the polls? Okay, yeah. there's two different types of polls. You've got internet polls, which are unscientific, and then you've got the scientific phone polls, right? You're referring to the scientific phone polls. <sighs> he shows up nowhere. He... He just came Please, he Iowa. wins every re- internet poll. Is that not okay, what you're referring well, to, though? The scientific phone polls? Well, yeah. Okay, let me explain this to you. When they make these phone calls to people's houses, they're only calling landlines. Who's more likely to have landlines as far as demographics, sir? Probably older people. That's right. People over 65 or over 55. Now, uh, as far as older people, they're a little more set in their ways. They're not as likely to you know, be tied into uh, the, the Internet, though many of them do use the, uh, use the Internet. But many of them are set in their ways, and they're going to vote for who they're going to vote for, and they're going to vote for whoever Fox News or whatever suggests that they vote for. So if you were to actually poll a 1,000 young adults... 
who've actually heard of Ron Paul, your numbers will be completely different. Many of these oldsters that are answering their phones don't even know who Ron Paul is. So, of course, he's not going to get big numbers. But thanks for your call. We appreciate it. And they're only asking registered Republicans who are likely to vote. That's an important point Ron Paul supporters aren't registered Republicans, a lot of them, and they're likely to be very disgusted with the system. Well said. More on the way. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away. So enjoy those on us, and those features include the updates. Get signed up. We'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Get on the list for free, of course, by going to updates.freetalklive.com. That is updates.freetalklive.com. And now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like setting up a corporation or limited liability company. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL. That's like Free Talk Live. So code FTL to save 10%. That's LegalZoom.com. We do have uh, the latest on the Iowa straw poll. In fact, uh, we're going to get to that right now. You had mentioned before we went to break there, Mark, that Mm -hmm. uh, Ron Paul had come in fifth place in the Iowa straw poll, and uh, that is being reported now by the Drudge Report, uh, the Atlantic Online with the numbers here. Looks like uh, Romney won with 4,500 votes. Mike Huckabee over 2,500 votes, Brownback 2,100, Tom Tancredo 1,900, Ron Paul with over 1,300 votes, which tallied out to about 9.1%. So not number one, uh, not really that close to number one, but better than he's done in any of the so-called scientific phone polls that our last caller was mentioning. In those phone polls where they only talk to likely registered voters, people who are likely to vote in Republican primaries, which is pretty much people that are over the age of 65. In those phone polls, he pulls, what, 2%? That's what he's getting, 1% to 2 to 3% maximum in the phone polls. Here he's got 9.1%. And again, these are still, the people that are voting in this, uh, in this straw poll are still the, the core Republicans. These are the activists. You know, These are the ones that are getting out there that are, tr- uh, in many cases, driving several miles. Iowa's not a small state. You know, driving pretty far to go and vote. So, again, still dealing with the Republican core. You still have to be a Republican voter in order to participate in this uh, this Iowa straw poll. So that may also be skewing the numbers. It, well, you know, it, it, you, you would have to be a Republican. You have to be in Iowa. So that could skew the numbers a little bit. Iowa's a rather um, conservative, as far as uh, socially conservative place. Some of Ron Paul's things may not fly as well there, um, you know. Complete end to the drug war, that kind of thing. He probably wasn't focusing on that, though. I I'm sure he wasn't. That. But um, I, I'd call it a victory. They, they expected to come in fourth or f- They said that um, the Ron Paul campaign said that if they came in fourth or fifth, they would call it a victory. And, and they did. Fifth they, place. They now, beat Giuliani. They beat Fred Thompson. They beat Tommy Thompson. They beat John McCain. They beat, you know. I think that may be one of the more important results of the poll. Who is John Cox? Uh, he's uh, one of the independent guys that's, uh, that's running. I think that uh, the fact that John McCain was in 10th place is probably one of the more important results here because we've been suggesting that this guy's campaign's over, 
right? Uh, mm-hmm. His campaign staff was defecting. They're just walking out of the offices, that sort of thing. Uh, that was, what, last month? And now he does 10, 10th place. He was, he was one of the media's darlings. He was one of the top tier. And now he's in 10th place in the Iowa straw poll? It's over for McCain. And if McCain is no longer in the top tier, then that just means that Ron Paul's one slot closer to being in the top tier, right? Right. Um, you know, I mean, obviously he is. He came in uh, fifth, so I'd say that the media has to eat a little crow on this one. Well, they're gonna, they're still going. He's still fifth place, so they'll pay attention to the top three and they'll ignore Ron Paul because mm-hmm. that's just what they do. I mean, they just, they just pay as little of attention to Ron Paul as they possibly can. Uh, but nonetheless, Ron Paul's going to continue on. He's going to go on and and be in the future debates, and we're going to see more people drop out. And the more people drop out, the more attention Ron Paul has to receive. Especially in the debates where it's been divided up by nine, ten people. Now you're going to have maybe six. Now you're going to have seven, six. And then uh, Ron Paul gets more spe- uh, speaking time, which will make more people interested and thereby uh, give him more campaign contributions. And hopefully this will snowball. Into so something. what happens with Giuliani, who, quote unquote, didn't participate, but was on the ground in Iowa on Thursday? He, had he his was, staff or his staff? He was, was there I'm shaking hands, according to uh, a staffer from the Ron Paul campaign. I see. And, you know, they, they also, Ron Paul campaign... Got well, he's some, got uh, money, so he's not going anywhere. Got he's some got some audio from uh, of Romney joking about cheating in the poll uh, last night. Eh, it's kind of interesting. So, so you know, Giuliani, he's got probably a war chest with several million dollars that he needs to burn up before he goes anywhere. John McCain's running out of money, and so I think his days are numbered. But yeah. we're not political hacks or experts or anything like that. We're just looking at the numbers just like you can. And uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts at 800-259-9231. Our opinions are just as good as yours or anybody else's. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Otherwise, let's change gears a little bit here. And let's talk about an issue that has to do with cheating. Cheating on your spouse. Mm. In this case, it's kind of an interesting story from ABC News. Uh, 1-800-Flowers, who actually is a sponsor of this program, Yep. as a matter of fact. Uh, 1-800-Flowers.com, a married man is suing 1-800-Flowers for a million dollars. Why? Well, he alleges that 1-800-Flowers revealed to his wife that he was cheating. Leroy Greer said in a lawsuit filed this week in Texas that he bought flowers for his girlfriend through 1-800-Flowers. He asked to keep his purchase private when he purchased the flowers. Greer said he was referred to the company's privacy policy, which states that customers can ask 1-800-Flowers not to share personal information with third parties. But the lawsuit says 800-Flowers sent a thank you note to his house. Now, I've ordered things from 1-800-Flowers, and I've never got a thank you note. What's going on there? Really? Yeah. I don't know. Um... Not, not that I recall, at least. But I, I again, don't, I don't have to work, keep a uh, girlfriend away from my wife, so I, I could very well have forgotten. When she called the company, 800 Flowers faxed her a copy of the receipt from Greer's secret purchase. The receipt revealed that Greer had sent another woman a, long, a dozen long-stemmed red roses, along with a note that read, Just want to say that I love you and you mean the world to me. This isn't going to go well. The couple was already going through what Greer's attorney described as an amicable divorce. After learning of the affair, Greer's wife asked for $300,000 in a divorce settlement in addition to child support. Uh, And he says, the attorney says, that thank you note is going to cost him money. Greer's asking for a million dollars for breach of contract and deceptive trade practices. 
His attorney says this isn't a moral issue. The issue is 1-800-Flowers. Are they in the business of causing divorce, or are they in the business of sending flowers and sticking to their privacy policy? Well, causing divorce. He was getting a divorce is what they just said. True, but he, it made it worse, the fact that they sent that, uh, that note out. 800-Flowers is not commenting on the pending litigation. Isn't a um, married couple sort of one socioeconomic unit? I, I would, Technically, by law, they are. I would think that that's the place that they're going to run to um, in their legal uh, you know, battle. And the, the deal with their privacy policy is that it states that customers can ask them not to share information with third parties. And when it comes to a privacy policy, that usually means we won't sell your information to some marketer. Right. Uh, we won't give your information to fill in the blank. But they, didn't, they probably didn't think anything of not sending a thank you note to the guy's house, and it probably wasn't addressed to his wife. The thank you note was likely addressed to him. Now, it probably said, it's, I doubt it came in a you know, nondescript brown envelope like porn magazines will. Um, this probably came with the 1-800-Flowers return address mm-hmm. on it, and the wife probably got the mail, she saw the, uh, the note, she saw the envelope, got curious, and opened up his mail. Which then leads me to the question of, well, was it illegal I mean, it's against the law to open somebody else's mail. That much I know. But is it illegal to open your spouse's mail because of that whole concept of you and your spouse are the same legal entity? Well, my wife opens my mail. It wouldn't get opened otherwise. So I don't know. Did she step out of bounds by opening this mail? Did he make a mistake by calling 800 Flowers in the first place? I think that's that's pretty much obvious. But is the company at fault here? Is 1-800-Flowers to blame for this, or did they just make an honest mistake and send a thank you note to a, to a good customer? Is I it a, a million-dollar mistake? It's a, it's a mess. I, I think if a guy's going through a divorce, he's not uh, doing anything really, really terrible. It's not like he's cheating on his wife. Uh, he's, she's only the wife in name at that point. Um, well, she was mad, no. and she's using this as leverage against him. Yeah, she'd probably be mad if it was the day after the so, divorce he, spent, he sent flowers to. How do you interpret this situation? Who's right? Who's wrong? I find it kind of nebulous. It's a tricky situation. 1-800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. If you were the judge in this case, who would you rule in favor of? The company? The guy? Who's at fault? 800-259-9231. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, and this is the live Saturday edition of the program. Toll free. You can still get in with your calls about whatever you want. Toll free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. The features are for free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go and vote in these remaining moments at the podcast awards. Today is the last day you can do it. So if you're listening via the podcast, it's probably too late. Uh, But if you're listening live, you can go now to podcastawards.com, cast your final vote for Free Talk Live. You want to find us, you'll find us in the political category. We need as many votes as we can possibly get. The competition is even heavier than it was last year. We've won this competition two years in a row. We want to go for a third, and we need your help to do it. Go to podcastawards.com. Scroll to the political category and vote for Free Talk Live. Tonight's the last night you can do it. I believe voting closes at midnight, maybe Hawaiian time. I'm not sure about that. So time's limited. Podcastawards.com. Vote for Free Talk Live. 800-259-9231. I said we were going to talk about the draft, and uh, the winds are a-blowing again. We've sort of gotten wind of the, the draft 
several times over the last few years. Uh, there have been all kinds of indicators, all kinds of rumblings, people talking about it. There have been bills actually put up in the House of Representatives to bring it back. Except they're not going to call it the draft. They're going to call it national service. We can go on to that in a moment here. But what is the latest, Mark? What's the uh, latest indicator that we're returning to a possible draft situation in America? Well, um, from the AFP here, a top U.S. military officer in charge of coordinating the U.S. war effort in Iraq said Friday. Now, this is kind of ambiguous here. Why wouldn't they give the person's name? Um, Well, because they don't. I guess they can't uh, quote them. I think I've got an article with his name. I'm digging that up right now. Go okay. Uh, well, actually, it's a Lieutenant General uh, Douglas Lute. I don't know why they uh, didn't uh, put it up higher in the article. Anyway, um, he said Friday that this that it makes sense to consider a return to the draft to meet the U.S. military's needs. Um, apparently, bad man. Lute serves a White House Deputy National Security Advisor. Said the all-volunteer military is serving exceedingly well, and the administration has not decided it needs to be replaced with a draft. But in an interview with the National Public Radio, he said, "I think it makes sense to certainly consider it, and I can tell you that this has always been an option on the table. But ultimately, this is a policy matter between meeting the demands for the nation's security by one means or another." He said, "The United States did away with the draft in 1973." the end of the Vietnam War. Unfortunately, they did away with the draft, but they didn't do uh, do away with the selective service. Right, the mechanism so, for the draft. Right, so the gears, if you will, are still in place, and all they have to do is flip a switch, and the selective service is... that It's their responsibility, it's the job of the selective service to be ready for whenever the government needs to bring back the draft, to be ready and to start sending out the, uh, you know, the draft cards. That's what their job mm-hmm. is. And uh, it's it's really scary. They're talking about this. They're serious about bringing this back. It uh, says here the military conducted a draft during the Civil War. This uh, from the AP version of the right. story. Now, and both World Wars between 1948 and 1973. Back in the Civil War, you could uh, pay to have somebody take your place. So you could uh, hire somebody to you know take your draft card and then go report. The Selective Service System maintains a registry of 18-year-old men. Representative Charles Rangel from New York has called for reinstating the draft as a way to end the Iraq War, which either Charles Rangel is completely insane or he's just a plotting madman, one or the other, right? Because uh, <laughs> the the concept is, to try to speak for this mm-hmm. nut, nutcase, is that, well, if we bring back the draft, then everybody will have to serve in the military, including the rich people's kids and including the politicians' kids. And since they don't want to put their kids in harm's way, then there'll be this big anti-war movement and uh, we'll end the war and bring everybody home. I, I just don't think this person is living in reality. He's either not living in reality or he absolutely knows exactly what he's doing and he wants to bring back the draft and he understands that what what anybody who's ever even looked at the draft understands or any government program is that the people who are connected politically, the rich people, Mm -hmm. the uh, politicians' friends, the kids of the politicians, they're not going to fight in the war. No, if they even get if they drafted, they're going to be stuck in shelves somewhere. Right. Or, even if the just imagine for a second, even if a senator's son did get drafted, he's going to be likely he's going to be an officer uh, manning mm-hmm. a uh, a jet fighter in Alabama, just like George right. Bush was when he was in the reserves. And you can bet that what they'll do is they'll they'll show somebody like the daughters of uh, obviously they're female but they've they've actually put it on the table the idea has come on the table to uh, make a draft all inclusive 
to make it so they'll draft females as well as males. Well, they're not going to call it the draft anyway, and they're going to call it national service. National service. Right. And that just sounds so much nicer. And likely, the, you know, at that point, the, you, if, if the military doesn't want you, you'll be shucked off into some, you know, bureaucracy somewhere serving the nation, whether it's the Peace Corps or maybe they need extra post office workers or whatever. Yeah. So what you'll see happen is if they do bring back the draft or national service, you'll find some, there will be some select individuals, senator sons, that sort of thing, who the news media will be given a nice prepackaged little press release from the Pentagon or whoever, mm-hmm. and they'll say, dun, 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 looky here, it's Senator so-and-so's son. He's joining the military because he's been drafted just like the rest of you kids can be, and uh, isn't he just heroic? He's so brave going into the military like he is. Congratulations there, son. Good job, buddy. Yeah, you're fighting for your country. And then the story will be over, and then you know all the people across the country will say, well, yeah, so Senator son, joining the military might as well have you join as well son and then when that same senator's son runs for office in 30 years we'll find out that he in fact never you know, fought a day in no his entire he didn't career. spend any time out there right so the idea and that, if he does have any war battles they'll all have been trumped up the That's idea that bringing back the draft is going to be a catalyst to end the war i don't think so no Sorry. You know, it, it might galvanize the anti-war movement a little bit more. That might be the case. And that that's fine. I mean, okay. But that's not an excuse to, to bring people into slavery. In case you don't know, the draft is slavery. Oh, sure it is. Maybe you've never made the connection. But when somebody sends you a piece of paper that says, you report to this location by this date or else... And you're threatened with uh, fines and jail time and other awful things if you don't go. You're a slave. You you are owned by these people. Absolutely true. If I can tell you what to do and um, you know threaten you and put you in jail and all those other things if you don't do what I say, you're my slave. You're my servant. Now, I don't understand how this correlates exactly with the 13th Amendment, ne- neither slavery or involuntary servitude, except as punishment for a crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist in the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. I don't know how they can manage to take conscription and uh, jibe it with the uh, 13th Amendment. Well, maybe it, maybe it ties into one of the rumors we've heard. Now, this is rumor-mongering. These aren't, necess- aren't necessarily facts. We've just heard this. People have made the allegation that when you get drafted and you show up and you step across, like, there's this there's line, line, right? There's a Recruits, yellow line. Step across this line or whatever. Right. And, of course, you're being barked at. Orders are being barked at They're you. They're shaving your heads and right. doing all kinds of crazy you stuff. Think you're in the, you think you're in. You think you've been. There's, what the suggestion is is that by stepping across that line, you are then volunteering into the military. Like, they're suggesting that there really isn't a draft necessarily. The draft is just this sort of coercive mechanism to get you to show up and volunteer in and raise your right hand and swear in and go through all that garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how legitimate those claims are, but if if indeed the 13th Amendment still holds some sway over the government, then that would be an explanation in that these people are actually volunteering in, technically, by by raising their right hand and going through the motions. Mm-hmm. Right? So, I don't know. You know, I don't know what the true story is, but all I know is it's coercive, it needs to be opposed, and, uh, you know, the question is, what would you do if uh, if a draft, if, if the draft came back? And, you know, the military members, they don't want this. No. The last thing you'd want to be doing if you uh, are a career or, you know, professional military per, um, individual, soldier, is to have some draftee guarding your <laughs> butt. The last thing you want. Yeah. 
Now, I'm sure that there have been draftees in the past that have uh, acted admirably and courageously, but most of them just didn't want to be there. Hell no. I, don't, I wouldn't want to be there, and I would do anything it took to not go. I refuse to be a slave. You want to go and lock me up in your little prison cell? That's fine. At least I, I, my chances of dying are a little bit lower in your prison cell than they are in the dirt over in some other country that we don't belong in in the first place. But the again, you know, they're working on this. They're rumbling about it. They're talking about right. it. Right. These are these are floater balloons just to see right. how is the American public going to react to this. And so far, there hasn't been no, much nothing, reaction. No outcry. Nope. Um, and it's just really sad, especially if they come back with this national service concept, which is even worse than a draft, because it will bring everyone in. It'll be females and males, and they'll all have to serve for two years under some government bureaucracy, which will just bureaucratize them, which will, you know, make Hopefully them... Hopefully they'll be able to recover from it, but some never right. do. We'll destroy their incentive, we'll make them think, oh boy, life as a bureaucrat's pretty good, I get paid and get benefits for doing virtually nothing. And it's just the destructive capability this could have on the economy, whew, hard to fathom. And on the uh, the minds of the American public. We'll be back Monday night online in the meantime, freetalklive.com. Have a great weekend, everybody. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 